The following is rated R. It contains violence, adult language, nudity, and adult content. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. It's 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday, November 28, 2021. And thank you for joining us for the Fear the Walking Dead and Walking Dead World Beyond online viewing party right here on blogtalkradio.com. I'm host Casey Shapiro, and special thanks to our host and sponsor, NDB Media. And also special, special thanks to one of our regulars who is always super helpful and commiserates with me freely and with the rest of you guys listening in. Thank you for being here, Joan. Tonight's show, as every show, contains spoilers with material up through the last episode and possible content from any official AMC promo materials. Typically, we start this show about a half hour before the new episode of whatever Walking Dead uh, franchise is airing this week, and we will watch it together at 9 o'clock. We'll go dark or mute, and we can chit-chat between 8.30 and 9 before it starts, and then when it goes live, we go dark. And then when it comes back during the commercial breaks, it will rate the episode between 1 and 10, 1 being, oh, my God, kill it, and 10 being, this is perfect, more of this all the time, please, as well as give commentary during the commercial breaks. And we'll also give our listeners trivia on the show as well as the cast and crew, including bios, birthdays, and more. Our show is spoiler and comic-free, so please do not discuss either spoilers or stuff from the comics in the chat room or on the air. Yes, we have occasionally made very tiny exceptions, but the general policy is don't, please. Um, We prefer our reactions, discussions, and comments to be just about the show that is presented to us this evening. Welcome to Fear the Walking Dead Season 7. Fear will run the usual front eight episodes up to December 5th, that's next weekend, then go on break until 2022. After tonight, we have one episode left until that break, and World Beyond Season 2 will concurrently run after this at around 10 p.m., give or take, also until December 5th with the front half of Fear. Talking Dead is back tonight a little wee bit after 11 Thanksgiving Sunday, the penultimate episode. Let's give some yay for that. Super happy. Need my Chris Hardwick fix. Yes, please. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry, I lost my place for a second. I was going to repeat something, but I won't do that to you. All right. I am not going to read the whole bunch of projects that are going on. I may do that next weekend before we go on hiatus for a wee bit just to keep your memories fresh of the supposed projects that are going on. There's, If you remember, there's 10 of them. Um, So we'll come back to that next week. Call in to speak with the host if you would like at 914-338-0314. Anytime tonight, you're welcome to call, but we especially encourage you to call between now and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You're still welcome to call during the live show, but you'll be screened and muted until the next commercial break where we can freely chat on the air. If the phones are not your thing, feel free to join us in our live chat room on Blog Talk Radio where you'll be able to listen to the show real time as well as go back to that link and download the episode after the fact. And we give those links on our Facebook page and my personal social media, Twitter, my Facebook page, so on and so forth. All right, if you're unable to join us in real time this evening, or any evening, this still works, you can go to the episode link later. After the show closes, it takes them about barely five minutes to process, and then it will become a file that you can click on. So you can go to the link and download the broadcast as an MP3 podcast for later listening. Just click on the cloud-shaped white icon at the top right of the page. You can also download this and prior episodes on iTunes. First, we will give info on Fear the Walking Dead and then afterwards, info on World Beyond. So I'm going to complete my notes on Fear the Walking Dead before I tell you what's going on in World Beyond. And at the rate we've been going, I've actually finished my 
fear notes before the end of the episode. So we kind of go over since we don't have a break between them. All right. Tonight's fear episode is entitled The Portrait, which is kind of interesting. Um, official AMC synopsis is when baby Mo Morgan gets sick, Morgan successfully pleads for entry into Strand's tower. Morgan quickly learns even Strand's benevolence <clears throat> has its limits. I'm not whatsoever surprised because he's turning into Idi Amin. All right. Additional synopses, as we often do. I have um, a couple of articles that I want to bring up. Yeah, what is this one? Huh. Oh, this this one actually may be the one I'm thinking of. I have to take it. Yes, it is. Okay, I already had pulled it up. My bad. So I don't need two copies. Put that one away. First one is from a source that we haven't used that much. And I have to be careful about new sources because I have not yet judged how spoilery they are. So this one is techradar247.com. And the author is Rohit Kumawat, K-U-M-A-W-A-T. And this was written yesterday. It's uh, Fear the Walking Dead Season 7, Episode 7, Baby Mo Gets Sick, Morgan Seeks Help from Strand in the Portrait. It looks like Morgan will have to plead in front of Strand for help in Fear the Walking Dead Season 7, Episode 7. Baby Mo will get sick, and Morgan sees no other alternative than to take him to Strand's Tower. Uh, okay, i got to correct you, Rohit. Watch the fucking show before you become reviewer for it. Because Baby Morgan is a girl. She's named after Morgan, but that's a girl, baby. Go, It does not have an Audi, let's just say. All right. However, things are bound to get tricky when the two rivals face each other. Also, Strand will have the upper hand, but Grace will come and save Morgan's life in the next episode. Okay. Something like that. So keep reading to know all about the seventh episode. Okay. I may have, you know, this is inevitable. So I'm going to let that one go, but I've got to come through the rest of this and see how much other spoilery stuff is in here. All right. Okay, I'm just I'm reading over all these notes real quick to see how safe they are. Um, all right, this next paragraph I'll read to you because there's nothing in here that hasn't been implied in trailers or previous plots. So I'm going to let this one slide. The seventh episode of Fear of the Walking Dead season seven is titled The Portrait. Things will get trickier for Morgan and Grace as Baby Mo gets sick. So Morgan will seek help from Strand to let them stay in his tower. However, when Morgan will get inside, he'll realize that Strand and his resources are not expendable after all. I don't know why you would think they would be. I, I, I'm sad to say I think this is a bit of a language barrier issue. Or this guy is just, the author is not very bright. Sorry, you know. It, this doesn't make sense. I, I don't think he would have ever thought Strand was expendable. However... With the CRM closing in, Strand and Morgan will most likely have to work together again in Fear the Walking Dead, Season 7, Episode 7. Um, okay, next part is too spoilery. Uh, quick recap. I'll read you the recap because that's about last week's episode, and you do need to know that to be caught up. The previous episode of Fear revolved around Al and Isabel. Al sent other members of a group to... Pennsylvania and again Rohit watch the fucking show it's the USS Pennsylvania it's a ship it's not the state they are in Texas derp derp all right she returned to her SWAT man after taking down Riley I don't know who that is further she decided to continue her solo trip to interview the survivors of the explosion however her plan was spoiled when Morgan and Grace approached her they informed Al that the CRM reclamation team was looking for her girlfriend, Isabel. Al's girlfriend helped Morgan's friends before the explosion and had gone AWOL since then. Further, Al managed to trick Morgan Grace to refuel her van using the CRM helicopter's fuel while she lured the soldiers to Fort, Saint, Fort San Vicente, where she attempted to kill them with an old cannon. However, the plan failed miserably and the CRM soldiers captured the trio. 
They tortured Al into revealing Isabel's whereabouts, taking refuge as at her co-pilot Beckett's cabin in the mountains. Morgan and Grace escaped and managed to kill all the soldiers. However, Isabel's location was already passed on to another CRM team. So Al gave Morgan an interview for the first time, after which she took the CRM helicopter to the mountains. She saw Isabel and told her she was ready to start a new life together, even if it means constantly running away from the CRM in episode six. All right, and that is the rest of that, which is good, because no more spoilery shit. All right, um, this one is from Bleeding Cool, which is a source we have used before, and most of the time, normally, they are pretty good about not doing too many spoilers. So let us see if they're a little less naughty than this one source. Let's see what they've got to say. I'm going to check the chat room, see if Joan's got anything to add. Yeah, Joan's like, Strand has benevolence. Yeah, no. I don't think Rohit has really actually watched the show or he doesn't understand it. I'm I'm not really inclined to use that source too often. All right, so um, this is on November 22nd by Ray Fluke, who is Bleeding Cool's standard staff Walking Dead writer. And he says, after saying goodbye to Al and Isabel in the last episode of Fear, um, by the way, I probably have an article link somewhere in my notes. I don't remember which one it is right now, but I have read in current promotional materials that last week's episode was at least temporarily for now a goodbye to Al's character, which is why she was making sure all of her precious things had a home with somebody she trusted. Um, in real life, Maggie Grace had a baby in October. That's what the fuck is going on, why she's been missing, why Al's character has been in the background, and now they're giving her a permanent plot out for several months. It's because Maggie's a new mom. And you know what? Actually, let's give her some congratulations on that part. Uh, come on. Yeah, okay. I know she doesn't listen to my show, but we're happy for you, honey, if anybody ever tells you we said that. Um, So yay on that part. Um, Let's go back to the story. Um, The action shifts back to Victor and Morgan as we stare down the penultimate season seven episode before the mid-season break. Yeah, technically it's semi-penultimate because that would be episode 15, which is in February. No, well, actually, I don't know if it's in February because... Walking Dead Classic will go first. But we'll have one last show again, and that will probably help the schedule a wee bit. All right, in the following preview images and overview for the portrait, Morgan is given access to the tower after pleading for help with a sick baby Mo. But once inside, with a number of familiar faces already there, Morgan learns very quickly that Victor's Benevolent Dictator Act has its limits. But at least Daryl Mitchell's Wendell is still alive. Not a spoiler, he's all over the promo materials. There's a photograph of him, and Strand admitted it last time that he has Wendell up there. So the the point really is to just get that information to Sarah, because I don't remember if she was told. All right, I'm just scrolling past pictures to see if there's anything else to say. <clears throat> um, no, not really. There's not too much that's new in there that I need to tell you. All right. Writers and Directors Profiles, tonight's episode is written by Nick Bernadoni. I have vastly expanded Nick's bio because I found a cool article. Um, But I'll get to that in a hot minute. Um, Actually, uh, I did not change the directed bio. I put the new bio, but I didn't change the name. So I apologize. Today's episode is not directed by Billy Woodruff. That was last week. It's directed by Heather Capiello. And I do have the correct bio up for that part. So I'm just going to correct that real quick. And double check in the chat room, make sure we're cool. Joan also wanted to add, she's apparently still having internet issues or computer issues and may need to refresh, just warning in case you miss stuff. Um, So just double checking if you can hear me now, Joan, before we start on a nice juicy bio about all these people. Um, Hopefully you can, or hopefully you can reboot real quick before I get too far down the road. All right. Um, 
Okay, Joan can hear me. So let's go. Nick Bernadoni. How you doing? Um, I am not sure of this. This is an alias of his, and I'm wondering if it points in a middle name. Apparently, on occasion, he has professionally gone by Nicholas Francis. So I don't know if it's like Nicholas Francis Bernadoni, which would make sense. But he was born in Brooklyn. Nick got a BS in television and digital film studies from State University of New York at Fredonia back in 2007. He was president of Delta Chi and a teaching assistant. He's best known for his work on The Walking Dead Red Machete. That was all his project. 30 Rock, the webisodes, 2008, and Bromos in 2009. Bernadoni also has had six nominations and one award win. Writers Guild of America 2018 and 19 nominations for Red Machete. PGA Awards winner 2013, Outstanding Digital Series for 30 Rock, the webisodes. Primetime Emmy Award noms 2012 and 13 for 30 Rock and 2018 for Red Machete. Bernadoni has also held various crew positions on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Bloodline, Saturday Night Live, The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, and more. He's the writer and producer of Red Machete. He has seven producer's credits aside from Red Machete and seven writer's credits outside of Red Machete. He also has six actor's credits since 2010 and two director's credits. I found it very interesting. One of his notable roles that they don't really push advertising is that he was part of several State Farm agent commercials. You know, where you say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, and then the guy shows up in a suit. One of the guys that does that is Nick Bernadoni, and it's kind of fun. He's in several of them, and he has a YouTube channel, and he has several of them posted there. And if you're curious and you ever want the link, let me know. Um, it's not under Nick Bernadoni. It's under some kind of online username. All right. He has worked as a script coordinator for 26 episodes of Season 7 and Season 8 of Walking Dead Classic and 13 episodes of Seasons 4 and 5 of Fear. In other words, it's not every single episode, but it's most of them. Trivia. He worked as an uncredited script coordinator for Season 7 and Season 8 of Walking Dead Classic. Um, he's been a co-producer for all of Season 7 of Fear so far. Tonight is his sixth time writing an episode anywhere in the Walking Dead franchise. He's worked in multiple... Oh, wait, maybe... No, it looks like he's just been writing for Fear that I can tell. But let's give his profile of what he's done. First one he did was Fear the Walking Dead, Season 5, Episode 13, Leave What You Don't, which he co-wrote with Ashley Cardiff. Second one is Season 6, Episode 9, Things Left to Do. Third is JD, which was Season 6, Episode 13. Fourth was Season 6, Episode 15, USS Pennsylvania. And fifth was Cindy Hawkins, Season 7, Episode 3. Alrighty, and then tonight is his sixth time. So here's a big one. This is from Syracuse.com, and it came out last month. This past October, Nick just recently headlined the reconvened Syracuse International Film Festival. Quote, Syracuse resident Nick Bernadoni, an Emmy-nominated writer whose credits include AMC's Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead. By that, they mean Red Machete because um, he didn't actually work on the TV show. Will headline this year's Syracuse Film Festival over the Writer's Workshop on Saturday, October 23rd. It's already over, but the article featured him at the Red House Arts Center. The event is described as one-on-one -on -one opportunity for aspiring writers, filmmakers, and fans to learn what it takes to be successful in the writer's room. Bernadoni is a 2003 graduate of Jamesville DeWitt High School that studied TV and digital film at SUNY Fredonia. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that before. I'm familiar with SUNY, the college chain, because I lived in Long Island for a while when I was younger. Okay, and then he pursued a career in television in New York City. One of his first jobs was writing and editing web content for NBC's 30 Rock, earning him a Producers Guild of America Award for Outstanding Digital Series and an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Special Class Short Format Video. He also wrote for the show's Tracy Jordan, played by Tracy Morgan, character on social media, which was named one of Time Magazine's top 100 Twitter feeds. In other words, it was a 
in-character Twitter feed connected to the show, but he was actually producing the content that went out on that feed. Uh, Bernadette next wrote for Netflix's uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, created by Tina Fey and starring Ellie Temper. Pardon my drink. But soon found himself watching fewer comedies at home and more escapism shows like The Walking Dead and Marvel movies. He wanted to do something different, connected with producers at The Walking Dead, and now writes scenes where zombies chase heroes as an oil rig explodes. Um, quote, it's been a pretty amazing journey, he said, of his career in a phone interview with Syracuse.com, uh, put out by the Post Standard. He added that writing for a drama or horror, they left out a noun. I'm going to assume they mean series. <laughs> Requires a different approach that's, quote, really fun and it's really freeing, and it allows you to use a totally different part of your brain that takes this audience on this crazy journey. But anyway, that's brand new. It wasn't in his IMDb yet. Since it just came out in October, I'm assuming at some point he'll put some some of these delicious cookies up in his profile, but he hadn't for now. This was the only place you could find it. So Nick has accomplished quite a few things recently. All right. Um, let's go down to producer's credit. Heather Capiello, or director's credit, excuse me. Heather is an award-winning director of film, television, and theater. She has directed episodes of Madam Secretary, Criminal Minds, Blue Bloods, and was a 2016 Voice Award winner, and the horror series Freakish, which is streaming on Hulu. Additionally, she directed the pilot presentation for the one-hour drama Corporate, produced by The Collective. Not the Buffy Collective in season four. (laughs) Heather wrote and directed the short film Ruby's Tuesday, yes, that's said correctly, that screened at more than 25 film festivals, including the short film Corner at Cannes. Notably, Heather was one of two directors chosen for the CBS Directing Initiative during the 2015 cycle and as a current protege. I don't know if that's current anymore since that was a few years ago, but and is, is or recently was a current protege at the inaugural DGA Craft and Mentorship Program. Heather Helms, through their theatrical premieres in London, San Francisco, and Berkeley, including tenures with the acclaimed Shotgun Players and the Bay Area's Jawbone Theater Ensemble, which she co-founded. Heather was script supervisor on more than 15 original single-camera dramas and comedies, including HBO's award-winning series Six Feet Under, one of my favorites, Carnival and Enlightened, and TNT's critically acclaimed drama Saving Grace, starring Academy Award winner Holly Hunter. Heather's debut directing episode of Saving Grace was chosen as the submission piece for both Miss Hunter's SAG and Golden Globe Award nominations. Heather's an actor, active member of the Directors Guild of America, DGA, and serves as the appointed co-coordinator of the Activities and Events Standing Committee for the Women's Steering Committee. That sounds so stuffy and collegiate. <laughs> it kind of cracks me up. Uh, You know, it's very nice that she has that. I'm just being funny. Uh, Heather has a writer's credit for a film short back in 2005. She has 31 script and continuity credits going back to 1998, including for Six Feet Under, the Gin Game movie version in 2003, since that's a play. Some of you may know that. Monk, Parenthood, Criminal Minds, Suspect Behavior, and many more up to Recovery Road in 2016. She has seven director's credits back to 2005, including Saving Grace, Criminal Minds, and Blue Bloods up to 2019. Directing tonight's episode is Heather's fifth time working anywhere in the Walking Dead franchise, and she has crossed uh, properties in the franchise. She, several people now are finally starting to cross-pollinate. They have done work on more than one piece of the franchise. Um, Okay, so um, this is what Heather's directed in the past anywhere in the franchise. She's previously directed Fear the Walking Dead, Season 6, Episode 10, Handle with Care. The second one was Fear, Season 6, Episode 15, the USS Pennsylvania. Third was World Beyond, Season 2, Episode 5, Carnivore. 
fourth was World Beyond, Season 2, Episode 6, Who Are You? And then tonight's episode will be the fifth time. And she is not director for the final series finale next weekend, by the way. Uh, trivia about tonight's episode. Let's check the chat room, see if there are any questions. Not at the moment, but we have a new user in the chat with a very interesting username. I'm not sure what's going on with that, but hi. Uh, you want to talk about Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead and World Beyond and hang out? Oh, I guess they got upset because I called them out. And I wouldn't say their username on the air. That's your loss, pal. So, say so yeah. All right, trivia about tonight's episode, Season 7, Episode 7, The Portrait. We have four minutes left, so I'm going to make this short. But there isn't a lot of trivia to read you. First appearance of the character Juliana. Tonight's episode is the 92nd episode of Fear Ever. First appearance of Arnold, better known as Arno. He's the leader of the Stalkers, who are those people that keep stripping the walkers. Played by actor Spencer Grannies, G-R-A-N-E-S-E. I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing it right, and I apologize if I'm not. This episode marks the return of... This is a mild spoiler, but it was announced. So go to the bathroom if you don't care, or get a drink, or mute. Five, four, three, two, one. Tonight marks the return of Alicia Debnam Carey as Alicia Clark and Daryl Mitchell as Wendell to the series. Alicia has been absent since the episode Mother, and Daryl Mitchell has been absent since Bury Her Neck to Jasper's Leg. All right, so let's welcome them back. All right, there was nobody listed as also starring. Co-stars were Federica, oh, tonight. Co-stars are Federica Rangel as Juliana. She's a resident of the tower. The character is credited as artist in the portrait, so I assume she's critical to that tonight. Uncredited, Avaya Geniel. J-E-N-I-E-L. Again, apologize if it's wrong, and if we ever find out it's right, I will fix it. Uh, is playing Baby Morgan. Um, no real trivia for tonight as of yet. Um, quick reminder, and I, I say this every time because I just want to get it straight. Pronunciation reminder, Al's name is Althea Shevchik Prisgoki. And I had to write that down and do it several times. All right. Last episode's trivia, Season 7, Episode 6, Reclamation, was the 91st episode of Fear Ever. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and go dark because we are a minute and a half before the live show. So I will read you the rest of the trivia for Reclamation when we come back after the first commercial break. Thank you guys for being here and talk to you soon. Okay, we are back. It's 9.08. Joan is starting with a 4.5. I'm going to start with a 4.25. Although both of us are probably on the same page about the why, and that would be Strand starting to show some cracks, some other mode other than Idi Amin, which was really starting to get on my nerves. Um, Let's go back to a little bit of the conversation earlier. We lost our new friend, which I'm not terribly worried about, considering that their username was something that was a variant of D's Nuts. And I'm like, okay, are we five? Whatever. Um, Not necessary at this show, pal. That's not the kind of show we're running here. All right. Let me pull up my notes and stuff. Let's see. Oh, I had mentioned while the show was running, Joan and I have talked about this before, but I I have to say again tonight, I'm super sick of tropes in this universe, not even in this genre, because it's not something in every genre, but um, there's been a trope in this where somebody has a really excellent place to hunker down with quite a few people, you know, the prison, Woodbury, all kinds of other stuff going on. And 
you know, Alexandria and Oceanside and Sanctuary. And I can understand people fighting and having resource problems and all this other stuff, but I'm really kind of fucking sick of all that. All right, we are back. I will bitch about that at commercial break number two. Thanks for joining us. Okay, guys, we're at break number two, and it's 9.18. Joan is staying at 4.5. I'm willing to go up to 4.5 just because the plot is doing something different and a little more useful. I find it very interesting that all of a sudden Victor is in medical distress at the end of the last scene. And Joan had commented, uh, you know, I used to really like Strand, even with all his faults in the first three seasons. Too bad, really, you know. I, both of us are kind of like, you know, that was a great character, but okay, uh, Ian and Andrew, you guys are destroying this character. You really are. You've already ruined a couple of others. And I mentioned uh, the stalkers are stupid and what they're doing is stupid. And I do not at all like Idi Amin Strand. Um, so, all right, let's go back to my notes and see what else I have to tell you. Trivia from last week. Let's keep going with that. And I'm going to turn around and just make sure that we don't have uh end of commercial break. No, not yet. Okay. So last episode's trivia. Season 7, Episode 6, Reclamation, was the 91st episode of Fear Ever. Last appearance of the character Riley, who was zombified. Last appearance so far of Althea Shevchuk Prisgaki. Um, her status is unknown. Last appearance of Isabel, unknown. Last appearance in Fear Continuity of the Civic Republic Military. I don't know why they say these things the way that they do, because if it's giving away a piece of plot, then they just gave away a piece of plot. And if it's not, it's a stupid way to put it. It's like, we know it's the last appearance because it was on last week. Like, we don't need these comments. All right. The title of the episode, Reclamation, refers to the Reclamation team of the CRM that is sent to hunt down Isabel. All of Morgan's group that were evacuated by Isabel in the episode The Beginning have made it to the USS Pennsylvania, aside from Al. The CRM's reclamation team was previously mentioned by Ground Command and Isabel in The End of Everything. It's revealed that Isabel had gone AWOL to help rescue Morgan's group from the nuclear destruction, and she's now being hunted by the CRM for it. Several references are made to the events of What's Your Story and The End of Everything. Um, I'm actually going to also fuss about another trope that's cheesing me off, and that is how much the CRM is able to do stuff. I mean, first off, who the fuck in the zombie apocalypse has the time to make this leather armor and military equipment with the dumb logo on it? I mean, seriously, I would believe if you'd raided uh, some military storage and it was all like, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines mixed together. That makes sense. This other stuff is too freaking convenient. All right, going to keep going with the trivia while we got the chance. Morgan references Al's interview of him several times. At the end, he interviews Al instead in a mirror of her interview of him. Still in the commercial, I'll keep going. Isabel had warned Al that the reclamation team was not something she wanted to deal with. It was called off after Isabel successfully refueled her helicopter with Elle's help. The cabin that Al finds Isabel at, oh, here we go with the notes. Okay, belongs to Beckett. Al and Isabel had talked about it and the view that it has while at the field drop. Al suggested to Isabel that she could possibly fly a CRM helicopter if need be, something that comes to pass here. Al leaves her SWAT band to Morgan and Grace. No also starring, no co-stars. They do have an uncredited, but we are back, so I'll read it to you at break number three. Thanks. Okay, guys, it's 9.30 p.m., and we are on commercial break number three, I believe. Um, 
I'm going up to 4.75, and I'm really on the fence. Jonah's staying fast at 4.5, and Strand is just the latest in a long line of destruction those two assets have caused with this show. This is a quote from Joan. I don't really dare to dream that Ian or Andrew or anybody they represent is listening to what I have to say out here. You know, I just... We do the show to have a good time with those who are part of our little circle, which, you know, none of the big wigs are. And that's, it's fine. It's all fine. So I'm going to say it, guys, you know, and I'm not saying it. I I would like to show to do well. So I'm not saying it to destroy the show. Y'all are doing that. You've been doing it since after you lost Taka and everybody. Like, from that point on, you just blew it all up. All right, so I think Joan and I are on the same page with that, and we're mad at Victor. Let's go over to my notes and finish off what I've got to tell you guys. All right, so uncredited people from last week's episode, uh, unknown as playing Riley when when he's zombified. Uh, He was originally killed by Charlie while he was alive, rushing Daniel, and then when he was a walker, he was killed by Al. Uh, unknown actor as Serum Soldier 2 and unknown actor as Serum Soldier 3. Both were antagonists last week that Al blew up with cannon. All right, and deaths. Now, just the people that we mentioned already. Uh, no errors listed. All right, let's do cast birthdays. That's always fun. Talking Dead is back, by the way. I was going to tell you all that in a little bit. Um, we're still on a commercial, which is fine. But. Um, cast birthdays this week and this is definitely a good one to get in there Coleman Jason Domingo plays Victor Strand on Fear his birthday is today and he's from Philly Philly boy Robert Singleton who you guys know as Irony Singleton he played Theodore Douglas known as T-Dog his birthday will be November 30th and he's from Atlanta December birthdays, Nadia Hilker, who's Magna, December 1st, and she's from Munich, Bavaria, Germany. And Stuart Greer, who was Roman, one of the saviors, December 2nd. Um, I do not know where he was born exactly, but I know he was born in the United States. So let's give them a happy birthday applause. We appreciate you guys and your work on the show. Very much. I'm watching a Matrix commercial. I'm trying to see if we're back. Nope, we have K Jewelers. So let's keep going with our notes. All right. Unaccounted for characters I'm not going to do anymore. Featured music from last episode. Season 7, Episode 6, Reclamation, was a song called Journey Among the Stars by Chill Out Sound Festival. And that's actually the name of a band or music group. And that was playing at the end of the episode last week. All right, unaccounted for characters, as I said, I'm skipping. And Talking Dead tonight, let's go ahead and do that. November 28th, uh, Karen David, who plays Grace, uh, World Beyond, Felix, Nico Tortorella, and actress and Walking Dead fan, super fan, Deborah Joy Winans. So they will be on tonight. And Okay, now we're back, and then I'll see you guys at break number four. Okay, guys, it's 9.41, so I guess we're at break number, I don't know if it's four or five now, I've lost it. I want to say four, and I'm not sure that's correct, but Joan has gone to 4.75. I'm actually willing to go up to five with this, because Strand is being different, but not different enough where I think either Joan or I have forgiven Ian and Andrew for their foolishness, but different enough to save the plot from being rated three all night. We'll say that. All right. Let's go back to notes and see what else we've got to tell you. Um, Talking Dead tonight, I read you. Um, I do have a discussion link if we run out of things to talk about. I'm going to go ahead and pull that up just to have it on hand in case we need something to talk about. It has to do with Maggie Grace and the business about her character being sidelined and what's going on with all that. It's something good to talk about, even if we go into the other show. That should be okay. 
Alrighty. Um, I'm not going to read it to you right now. I'm going to finish my notes first. So the last episode before the huge break is 93-8, entitled Padre. Writers are Andrew and Ian and director is Satro, and that's December 5th. All right, and then we go into my notes on World Beyond, and since it's 943, let's go ahead and start on that so you all are well-equipped when we get there. And actually, I do have links for synopses, so I may end up reading you the article so that I can free up that browser tab for synopses links later. So tonight's World Beyond episode is entitled Death and the Dead. And the official AMC synopsis is, as the plan continues to unfold, tensions between the group and the CRM come to a dramatic head. While some rush to save an ally, difficult truths are brought to light. By the way, I'm just throwing this out here as a prediction. Fully prepared to be wrong, but I still feel like Jadis slash Anne is some kind of a double agent. Or, you know, there just seems to be serious subterfuge going on, and she's very good at it. And I don't think they're going to let the character go until the whole arc with Rick is put back in place. So seeing as World Beyond only has tonight and next weekend until it's completely over, that's got to resolve itself, and that's why I think this. All right. Uh, So we have two episodes left of the series until um, it's over with. One more tonight, and then one more on December 5th. And I'm going to go ahead and switch over to the article, even though we may not get very far from the moment. So this is Fear the Walking Dead showrunner on ending Althea's story in Season 7. This was from comicbook.com and Cameron Bolamona, who's one of our uh, most used reviewers or people that do articles that we quote. And... I'm going to start a tiny bit, but I will probably get interrupted as we go back. So um, this story contains spoilers for Reclamation, but you guys know the drill. If you're following our radio show, you have to be up to date with the live show. So showrunner Andrew Chambliss explains the open-ended exit for Althea, Maggie Grace, as the first major departure for this season of Fear the Walking Dead, which implies there will be more. They didn't say that. Um, Reclamation reveals the CRM's return to the Walking Dead spinoff when the helicopter group dispatches a Reclamation team to target and eliminate Ground 17, who is AWOL CRM pilot and Al's flighty love interest, Isabel, played by Sydney Lemon. And still on break for a moment. With help from friends Morgan and Grace, video journalist Al... (coughs) (coughs) Pardon me. Yes quote, the fear version of a happy ending when she stops chasing stories and starts chasing Isabel. And we are still at commercial. Okay. Quote, this episode marks Al's last appearance this season. Notice how they say that. Chambliss confirmed on AMC Plus's Fear the Walking Dead episode Insider. Okay. That's where the interview comes from. In Al's history on the show, we have seen her filming other people, asking other people questions. In this episode, We actually see her on the side of the camera. We see her in in these stolen moments that she had with Isabel just before the bombs went off, added Chambliss. Uh, That's also fair. They would have holed up somewhere that might be in the blast radius. Added Chambliss of the nuclear warheads that detonated in the explosive end of Season 6, where Isabel went AWOL, piloting the serum chopper that airlifted Al's friends out of the blast zone. It speaks to the way that Isabel is able to get at who Al really is. Now we are back, and I will see you guys at break number five. Okay, guys, 9.54. I think we're at break number six, and there probably won't be much between this and when they go into the episode of World Beyond. Jonah's staying at 475. Just when I thought there was hope, the story took a dive again. Yes, I agree. They messed up Morgan's character, too. He is not the sort that would have done this. Oh, you, we almost died out there. I'm going to poison you. Bullshit. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. Ian and Andrew, stop it. Stop touching things. All right. Let's go back to the article while we have a hot minute, and I'll read you the other stuff as I get an opportunity. So, 
Uh, we see her in these stolen moments that she had with Isabel just before the bombs went off, added Chambliss of the nuclear warheads that detonated in the ex- explosive ending to season six, where Isabel went AWOL, hiccups, piloting the CRM chopper that airlifted Al's friends out of the blast zone. Quote, it speaks to the way that Isabel is able to get at who Al really is. Coming full circle to Morgan's first meeting with Al and John Dory, when he crossed over from The Walking Dead to Fear in the season four episode, What's Your Story? The episode climaxes with Al on the other end of her camera in a video interview conducted by Morgan. Quote, one of the last scenes between Al and Morgan is an interview where Morgan says he saved Al's life, so she owes him an interview. And that's a direct callback to the fact that Al saved Morgan's life way back in 401, which is story, and said that that meant he owed her an interview, explained Chambliss. He's asking her these questions because he wants her to have to confront the fact that she's the obstacle standing in the way right now because of reunion with Isabel, between her reunion with Isabel, the woman she loves. As Dory said before his death in Delahunt's final episode of season six, it's not too late. It's never too late. It's not a lesson forgotten in what is, at least for now. Grace's exit episode of fear. Um, okay. Quote, this episode was very much a callback to Alan Morgan's first episode on Fear of the Walking Dead. And that episode, of course, had one more person in it, and that was John Dory, Chambliss said. Even though he's not with these characters, we can kind of feel him there because Morgan is moving forward with the lessons he learned. And Al is hearing kind of the echoes of everything that John Dory would have said if he'd been standing there in this episode, telling Alice she's got to get on that helicopter and try to find Isabel. End quote. After Morgan puts a target on his back to help Al take out the two-man Reclamation 1, a transmission from the CRM reveals the transponder on Ground 17's helicopter gives away Isabel's location. They're not going to stop until they find her unless Al finds Isabel first. And still in a commercial, Morgan tells Al she's part of the story, helping her get over her fear of losing Isabel or herself. When Morgan learns that there is, in fact, a person who Al has feelings for, and a person who helped Al save everyone, his desire to risk his own life to help Al is all about wanting Al to be able to experience something like that, Chambliss said. Morgan kind of invoking his biggest fear, the thing that we heard him say when he first joined Fear the Walking Dead, I lose people and then I lose myself. Um, And that really spoke to his fear of opening himself up to human connection because there are many great things that come along with that. Friendship, companionship, love, but at the same time, it carries a great risk in the zombie apocalypse. It's not uncommon to lose the people around you just like that. And double-checking to see if we're back. Not quite, but soon. Reclamation ends with Al and Isabel reunited at a cabin in the Great Smoky Mountains, where the AWOL CRM soldier watches the recording of her breakup with Al. Destroying her camera, Al stops chasing the story to go on the run with Isabel. I wish she hadn't done that, because she does have some tapes that should be saved. Um, quote, while we're giving them the Fear the Walking Dead version of a happy ending, we wanted to be clear that it wasn't going to be easy, Chambliss said. We kind of landed on this idea of having Al's interview that she'd done with Isabel to be playing in the background. It spoke to Isabel's love for Al, that she's in this cabin watching this tape, and she's obviously still thinking about her. But at the same time, it allowed someone else to voice all the practical concerns that they would have to face. And, all right, we are very close to going to World Beyond, but I don't, okay. We're back. I'll see you guys probably after uh, World Beyond starts. Okay, guys, it's 10.09. We have transitioned into World Beyond. We ended fear tonight. Uh, I ended at 5.5, mostly because of Alicia at all, and Joan stayed at 4.75, even with the return of Alicia. That's fair. World Beyond came on at 10.07. <clears throat> and Joan, do you have a time for when um, World Beyond will be over and then going into Talking Dead? You pretty much seem to have a handle on those things. Um, Joan said, short opening, but already the sister seems to be outsmarting the CRM. She's opening with a 5. I'm actually going to open with a 5.5 because things are moving like that. 
And we've only got two more episodes of this series ever, so there's going to be quite a bit of action, I have no doubt. All righty, let's go back to my notes and see. All right, um, we have the article. Did I finish the article? No, I had a tiny little bit more, and then I'm going to get to the extended synopses for tonight. Um, the last part I didn't get to say was Chambliss added. What they did was it essentially allowed Al to speak to the fact that they, their love for each other, the fact that they can be together, can outweigh all these negatives. This is about the best happy ending you can get in the Walking Dead universe. Well, I'm going to beg to differ from you there because we have seen some happy endings before, but I don't know. I don't really want to get into a whole argument thing with it. Okay, so additional synopses. We could now pull those up for you. And the first one is from Bleeding Cool. Um, let me pull that up. And it's The Walking Dead World Beyond Season 2, Episode 9, Sides Drawn and Loyalties Tested by Ray Fluke. We're back, so I'll read that to you at break number two. Okay, guys, it's 1022. I'm going to go, let's see. I'm going to go up to 575. Jones at 55. Uh, Talking Dead starts at 1110, so World Beyond probably ends around 1109. Okay. Jones says you're still trying to figure out where the CRM and the Commonwealth both exist in this world but don't seem to be aware of each other, especially with the helicopters and such. I agree with you because the CRM has been passing over top of the Commonwealth in order to get down to Texas and even Alexandria. And if they have copters in that caliber, let's just assume they can do all the shit that we've seen them doing that they shouldn't be able to do. That would mean that they surely have to know about the Commonwealth and the way that they both behave, I'm not sure the Commonwealth isn't connected to them, but we'll see about that. All right, so <coughs> that's where the scores are. Let's go back to the extended synopsis, which I didn't get to read you guys yet. Okay, so um, with only two episodes left, you know, one of the best ways to know that things are going to get brutal before the end credits roll in the two-season run of AMC's The Walking Dead World Beyond that they only released three preview images and their up close-ups of Annette Mahendru's Huck, Pollyanna McIntosh's Jadis, and Aaliyah Royale's Iris. That They don't tell us a whole lot, but leave us wondering a whole lot. With Jadis ordering the CRM soldiers to make an example of Leo, Hope, Felix, after their attempted escape and wiping their research from the mainframe, things are looking desperate. Though our heroes have a bargaining chip that might make the difference. And let's not forget about what Silas and Elton have planned. And then there's the wild card that is Huck. So with all that in mind, let's take a look at the preview images and overview that we do have for the ominously titled Death and the Dead, directed by Lauren Iaconelli, which I've told you, and Aaron Martin and Sam Reynolds, which I hadn't told you yet. Um, these preview images and a couple of others that somebody extracted are actually up in the slideshow. That I've got for you guys. All right, we're in a commercial, so let's keep going. Season two of The Walking Dead World Beyond concludes the epic story of Iris Hope, Elton, and Silas, four friends who journeyed across the country on a mission that transformed everything they knew about themselves and their world. As they face off against the mysterious Civic Republic military and fight for control of their own destiny, goals will shift, bonds will form and crumble and innocence will be both lost and found. Yeah, obvious, obvious, obvious. Um, that's just a general description about things we already know about the cast. Okay, we don't need the rest of that. And we're still in commercial, though, so let's see. I've got a couple of other side articles that are not synopses, but they would be good to discuss before we get too far down the rabbit hole. And I'm going to pull the second one up. And we're in a beer commercial, so I'll at least let you know what the deal is. This is another one from comicbook.com from Cameron Bolomono, and it's The Walking Dead World Beyond may explain what happened to Heath. You know, that's been a big question that I've actually stopped repeating because it's gone on so long. Um, all right, still in commercial. So the reveal of Project VOTUS, V-O-T-U-S, 
on the world, Walking Dead World Beyond may explain what happened to the missing Heath on The Walking Dead. After he disappeared during a supply run with Tara in the Season 7 episode, Swear, showrunner Angela Ken confirmed Jadis of the Scavengers traded Heath to the helicopter group, later identified as the CRM. More than eight years later, Jadis is warrant officer Stokes of the CRM, serving the shadowy organization behind the A and B human trading program that abducted Rick Grimes as a B in season nine. Now we are back. I'll read you the rest at the next break. Okay, guys, it's 10.32, and we are one open to, I guess, our break number three. Um, That doesn't sound right. We should be a break number two. I don't know. All right, anyhow, we're still talking about trying to figure out how the CRM and the Commonwealth both exist and don't be aware of each other, but... You know, the CRM flies over top of the area where the Commonwealth should exist, theoretically, to go to all these other places. So I don't know how they don't know about each other. It seems kind of stupid. And I'm not sure the Commonwealth isn't part of the CRM somehow. Um, Joan is at 575. I'm willing to get a six with the tension rising up in here. It's starting to get a little draggy, though milking the same stuff a little too long. Uh, I also, there's a mythothera in here, and this is just me writing in the Romero-style universe a lot. If the heads of these walkers are frozen, the brain should not be animated. That is a gross error in how that sort of thing should work. So the reanimation process shouldn't work like that of destroying the brain, you know, because if the heads are frozen, the brain would be destroyed. Derp, derp, you messed up. Okay, still like this a little better than how fear's doing lately, but alrighty. Um, let me keep uh, keep going with the article here from comicbook.com. In World Beyond Season 2, Episode 6, Who Are You? Jadis confirms... She traded Rick to the CRM when she tells Staff Sergeant Jennifer Huck Malik she gave the military something very valuable to secure her spot in the Civic Republic. Jadis labeled Rick a B before flying away with him aboard a CRM helicopter that likely landed at the CR, the hidden city, in an undisclosed location. Season 2, Episode 7, Blood and Lies, revealed Project Votus was founded in year two of the zombie apocalypse by CRM Major General Beale and Lieutenant Colonel Elizabeth Kublik. Under Project Votus, Dr. Lila Belshaw, Belshaw and other CRM scientists studied live subjects through death to further their research on reanimation by using A's as test subjects forcibly bitten by walkers. And they're doing an art thing at the moment. Not sure what that's about. I've seen this commercial before, but I forget what it's for exactly. It kind of reminds me of the Van Gogh exhibit that's touring the country, what they're doing. But I don't think it's for that. I'm kind of waiting to see what it's for. It's just Facebook ad. I, Facebook, not meta. That's stupid. Okay. Uh, season 2, Episode 7, Blood and Lies. We already got that part. Keep going. So we see this practice on The Walking Dead, where Jadis marks Rick, Negan, and Father Gabriel as A's and nearly has walkers bite them while they're held captive at the scavenger junkyard. Jadis believed boyfriend Gabriel to be a B when she invited him to join her at the Civic Republic, but downgraded him to an A after he threatened to tell Rick she was trading people for supplies. Jadis upgraded Rick to a B after earning his trust and becoming his friend, saving Rick's life by giving him over to the CRM as an asset. All right, and are we back? No. So, I'll, well, we're at the end of a commercial, so let me double-check first. Okay, yeah, we got a second. In the episode Swear, Heath goes missing on a walker-filled bridge outside Oceanside, disappearing along with the RV later spotted at Janus's junkyard. Left behind is a dropped key card with the letters PPP. 
It's confirmed Jadis traded Heath to the CRM in exchange for supplies for the scavengers. But is Heath an A or B? Rick, Negan, and Gabriel were enemies to Jadis when she marked them as A's to trade them for zombie-bitten tests as zombie-bitten test subjects. Jadis only considered Rick and Gabriel to be B's when she earned their trust and saw their value to the CR. Are we back now? We are back now. I'll see you guys at the next break. Okay, guys, it's 10.45. Um, I'm actually going to get a 6.25, but I'm not sure I'm going much higher than that yet. I'm fascinated by Jadis showing as much of her nutsack as she has been. I'm just saying. Jonas mentioned it's not just Romero stuff. They were dormant in winter in Alexandria. Yes, thank you. When, you know, when your body is room temperature and room temperature is 32, you don't go anywhere. So this is stupid. All right. And they shouldn't be reanimated like that. And, and Jones says, that's one way to travel and see the world, pun intended. Oh, that was really awful, dude. That was really, really awful. Okay, she's not sure the standoff is going, but she's going to 6. I'm at 65, so we're kind of watching Jadis have a big face-off with everybody. All right, let's get back to additional synopses. Information. Let's see. Do, do, do. Um, okay, if Heath was bitten on the bridge or after he was taken by Jadis, he was labeled an A and transported from the junkyard to a CR research facility as a test subject in Project Bonus. Season 9, Episode 3 of The Walking Dead may have hinted at Heath's faith, fate when it's revealed the CRM is more interested in an A than a B in exchange for extraction from the junkyard. Quote, I paid my share, Jadis, radios a CRM pilot who tells her she's been compensated with supplies. When she asks what it will take for pickup and transportation to the CR, Jadis is told she needs another another A, which means she's gotten one. We now know this is because human test subjects are invaluable to Project Votus, which aims to uncover the mystery of reanimation in order to slow or prevent it entirely, eliminating the threat of The Walking Dead. All right. Uh, track phone commercial. And what looks like Xfinity commercial. Okay, so we have a little more room here. Let's go to the next link. Okay. Uh, why Jadis takes Father Gabriel's name on the Walking Dead world beyond. That was one that we tried to talk about before, but we never really got around to. I don't believe. Joan, if this sounds familiar, let me know, and I won't put everybody through this again. This is also from comicbook.com and Cameron Bolomona. Let me double check in the chat room to see if Joan thinks that we've done this before. This sounds familiar. All right. Um, While I'm waiting to hear back from that, I'll go ahead and start just a wee bit. So, when The Walking Dead's Jadis returned on Walking Dead World Beyond, it was with an assumed name we've heard before, Stokes. As Warrant Officer Jadis Stokes of the Civic Republic military, Jadis operates under the identity taken from her short-lived relationship with Father Gabriel Stokes on Season 9 of The Walking Dead. The romance died when Jadis, real name Anne, tried to trade Gabriel to the CRM as an A, nearly dooming him to be a test subject of Project Votus before disappearing with a B, Rick Grimes, aboard a CRM helicopter. And Wendy's breakfast, so let's keep going. In Season 9, Jadis offers Gabriel citizenship in the faraway Civic Republic, where they can have a life like you can't imagine. When Gabriel threatens to alert Rick about her human trading, Jadis dumps Gabriel in the junkyard and marks him an A after believing him to be a B. Reunited with CRM Staff Sergeant Jennifer Huck Malik, six years after her breakup with Gabriel, Warrant Officer Stokes recalls her role as Jadis, the oddly spoken scavenger leader, calling it, quote, the theater that helps you survive, she tells Huck. Before the world ended, my name wasn't Jadis, but that name, that identity, it helped me live. So Jadis is who I am. Are we back? Uh, no, we're in an ultra commercial. So, quote, I think she's not going to give too, way, too much away about herself, so why not? Why not take a different name? Macintosh exclusively told comicbook.com about Jadis' new name on World Beyond. Quote, and I believe she did love Gabriel, and I believe she respected him. 
But I also think there's a certain irony in it where she won't forget that she crossed him and that she did those things as a part of her journey. And now we are back. I'll see you at the next break. Okay, guys, it's 10.58. This is probably our last break, and we've got approximately 10 minutes left, roughly ballpark. Um, Jonah said, doesn't sound familiar, but I'm not sure I trust my tired and addled brain tonight. Oh, wait, the last part is familiar. Yes, Jada says Anne is just as fanatical as ever. Got to give the actress props, though, even with that horrible hair. Yeah, I don't understand what they did with the hair. And yet we are about to lose audio in, in 60 seconds. This is going to wrap up. Jones at 65. I'm at 65. Uh, that's roughly where I'm probably going to be towards the end. And I will linger and watch the rest with you, even though all I can do is top in the chat, type in the chat. So thank you for joining us. I'm going to play the end credits now, and I will talk to you guys next week for the finale or mid-season finale. All right. Thanks for watching. <laughs>